From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Some new research suggests that the key to weight loss is the quality of a diet, not necessarily the quantity. The counting calories may not matter. This is based on one randomized clinical trial published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, where researchers followed more than 600 adults for 12 months. Here to help us understand what this study found is Maureen Franklin, a registered dietitian nutritionist at Upstate. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Let me start by sharing with listeners what the New York Times wrote about this study. Um, It found that people who cut back on added sugar, refined grains, and highly processed foods while concentrating on eating plenty of vegetables and whole foods without worrying about counting calories or limiting portion sizes lost significant amounts of weight over the course of a year. The strategy worked for people whether they followed diets that were mostly low in fat or mostly low in carbohydrates, and their success did not appear to be influenced by their genetics or their insulin response to carbohydrates. So that sounds really intriguing. What did, what did you think of this? Oh, I thought um, this is a fascinating study. It has a lot of education involved in it that I know we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, one comment I do have is when the article said significant, I think it's important to realize what are they classifying as significant? So the average weight loss um, between the two groups was anywhere from th- approximately 13 pounds to 11 pounds. And remember, this was a 12-month study. To me, that's significant. To some people, they think, oh, that's all I've lost. But if it's maintained and sustained, you can do that again. So I think that's what the significant part of it is. I don't want people thinking like, oh, wow, these people lost you know 50 pounds with this. Most people are going to go, really? You only lost 12 pounds? But it was because of the lifestyle changes, I think. Ah, interesting. Well, let's talk about how this study was conducted, because it had a lot of people in it, more than 600. Yep, 600 people, um, men and women, anywhere between 18 to 15, BMI between 28 and 40, um, and they were assigned to different groups in terms of one was called the healthy low-fat diet plan, and the other one was a healthy low-carb plan. Um, And they were looking at if we could see any difference between these two types of plans and the effect in terms of um, insulin secretion, genotype, and weight loss. So quite a lot of things that they were looked at in terms of this study. Um, And there's some of the things in terms of the the emphasis on the article seems to be about not counting calories. But I think one of the important things of this study is they weren't counting calories, but they were looking at not only quality and good high quality foods, but they were looking at quantity and quantity in terms of what each individual could sustain. So I think that's important. So it might have not been, oh, you're on a 1200 calorie, 1600 calorie, whatever, but they were looking and they were giving guidelines in terms of how many grams of fat and how many grams of carbohydrate. So I think that's important for people to realize. It wasn't just, oh, I never have to count calories again. I still think it's an important thing that they did look at it from a, I would say, a portion control standpoint. Okay. And what did they end up, what were the findings, the overall findings? The findings were that they didn't really notice any significant difference between these, that um, they they were trying to see if they could see that, but they really didn't see any difference. The calorie range in terms of um, what people decreased um, from the study is anywhere from five to 600 calories. Um, as I say, the weight range was 13 to 11, so not, not huge differences between the two groups. So it was interesting that they didn't find anything to say, oh, if we put you on a low-fat diet, you're going to lose more weight than the person on the low-carb diet or vice versa. Does this mean that counting calories doesn't is not effective or 
shouldn't be used? I mean, a lot of people do follow. A lot of people do follow calories. And I think, again, uh, one of the main things of the study, which I found the best part of the study, was the individualization of it. So I think if counting calories works for you and you are keeping a good weight and good blood pressure and all the good things that we talk about in terms of health, if that works for you, great. If it works for you to be more general, and we've talked about different diets like the DASH diet, the Mediterranean diet, if it works for you to say, I'm just going to increase my vegetables two to three servings in a day, then that could work for you. So I think to me, that is the key of this study from a dietary nutritionist standpoint that it looked at each individual and said, we're not going to tell you go on a 1200 calorie. We're going to tell you, these are the guidelines. You figure out what's going to work for you. And that to me is the beauty of this. And one of the big aspects of this study was um, behavior modification, right? Totally. And and they met 22 times, which in a in my my world is like, oh, I would love to meet with my patients once a month or those kinds of things. They met 22 sessions, an hour-long session, and the majority, a lot of them was on meal planning, um, shopping, mindful eating, food and mood. So a good percentage of these classes were based on how do you perceive food? How do you use food? And what are you doing? And are you being actually mindful? Which I think is when we talk about not counting calories, mindful eating to me is the way that I think it's important for people to look at. What am I doing? And I need to think about what I'm doing. Maybe not count calories, because again, I think that's the thing. It doesn't always last. But if I'm trying to say, I need to add more vegetables, then be specific. How many vegetables do I need to add every day? So I think that's a real key in terms of this. And they had a professional to help them yep. through all of this. All the educators were all registered dietitians, which I was so excited about. <laughs> mm. Neat. Well, um, this study asked people to cut back on added sugar, refined grains, and highly processed foods. Yes. How hard is that to do? Again, it can be very difficult depending on what your typical intake is. So if you're a soda drinker or you're a, a person that relies heavily on processed foods and you don't you know, think about quinoa and farro and bulgur and those kinds of things, um, it could be a big change for you. So again, I think that's it individualization and what could I do? How can I start introducing? Maybe I should try farro. Maybe I should try a quinoa salad, those kinds of things in, in terms of it. Um, so I think it can be hard. And I think mm, one of the take-home messages with this should be to people is don't give up. This was a 12-month study. People had success with weight loss, um, but it was looking at what they were doing on a day-to-day -day basis, and they were the ones in control. And I think that's a big key of this. We can give people tools. There's so much out there. But you have to be able to take those tools and individualize it to what's happening to you and your family and what you want to do. So it can be hard. You can make it hard or you can make it simple. You can make it and say, oh, I've got that. I did that. Wow, I've got a success on, you know, on my plate. Um, and, and say, all right, what's my next step? Well, and again, they had a professional helping them learn what quinoa was and yes. how, to, how yes. to choose something that doesn't have as much sugar as some. Right. So, um, the foods that people were allowed to eat, pretty much as many as they wanted, were vegetables and whole foods. What do we mean by whole foods? Um, we're talking in terms of fruits, vegetables, something that's not been taken. So, say, take steel-cut oats. All right, we have steel-cut oats. No, no real processing, steel cutouts. It takes a long time to cook, you know, again, good high fiber. Then we go to regular. Then we could go to quick cooking oats. Then we could go to instant oats. So as we get down there, we get away from the, the highest fiber content. We get away from the whole grain, and we make it quicker and easier because we've broken those things down. That instant oatmeal, 
very low fiber content. Boom, quick and easy. Steel cut, oh, I don't have time to do that. Well, you do on the weekend, but it's those kinds of things. So we're getting more into those whole foods, fruits, vegetables, those kinds of things. Um, I'm going to do uh, brown rice. I'm going to do quinoa. I'm going to make a salad out of farro, those kinds of things. Those are the good whole grains. All right, interesting. Uh, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Maureen Franklin, a registered dietitian nutritionist at Upstate, about healthy eating. Um, this particular study, it also measured uh, people's insulin secretion. Mm-hmm. What, what is that? Well, what they did is they did a, um, it's called a glucose tolerance test, an oral glucose tolerance test. So the people were given roughly 75 grams of um, glucose, and then they were tested 30 months after, uh, 30, excuse me, 30 minutes after to see in terms of how their body and what the insulin secretion was for them individually. So it's like basically what happens when you have this amount of carbohydrate glucose into your system, what's happening within your system in terms of the insulin to take that and to utilize it. Okay. And then um, these were not people with diabetes. These, this study, the people did not have diabetes. So that's an important thing too. Because again, it could be different depending and, you know, there's a lot of different variances with um, patients with diabetes. And this study also looked at whether there's any truth to the idea that a personalized nutrition advice um, based on genotype, mm-hmm. um, whether that can help people, you know, lose weight. And, and they didn't see any difference with that either, too, because, again, sometimes you see different things in terms of, you know, your blood type and the different types of diets that are out there. So this was actually something that said, no, that's not it. It was really, I think the key of this, it was the individualization and the behavior modification in terms of it. They used a great strategy, which I think is wonderful. They called it the limbo strategy, go as low as you can go. So when they were counseling these patients, they basically said to them, we're going to give you guidelines. We'd like you to give no more than, they started out with no more than 20 grams of fat or slash carbohydrates. But they said, if you can't achieve that, you go as low as you can go. And then the key was you go where you can meet it, and then you try and sustain that. And that, I think, is the key. It wasn't saying, go do this. This is what we're telling you to do. And then people saying, well, I can't do it, so I'm not going to do it anyways. It was putting the control back, I think, on the individual, which I think is the key. Um, And they had some that were following low-fat and some that were following low-carb. Low-carb. Did it surprise you that there was not an appreciable difference in the two groups as to who not really, because when I looked at this study, the real ma- main emphasis for both the groups when, um, when I was reading in terms of what they did in terms of the education is they were saying to them first, we really want you to concentrate on vegetables, fruits, and whole grains. So when I look at that, they're already low in fat. They're already probably lower in carbs, okay, or they're a good fiber, so there's a good combination of that carb fiber. So when I looked at that, no, it was kind of interesting because I thought they – they started out with the same premise. Let's go for whole grain, good quality, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Well, one criticism of um, diets for losing weight is that people may do well when they're following them, but then when they're done with their diet, they go back to their, you know, their, their bad habits. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. So does this address that? Well, I don't think the article addressed it. I think this addressed it when I, when I was looking over everything because I think what it was saying is there's hope. Okay, these people were followed for 12 months, 22-hour-long sessions, intense, I think, in terms of behavioral modification, nutrition education, and they saw weight loss. Did they see what we're always thinking we're supposed to get? No, but I think they saw weight loss. So to me, it's saying don't give up. I think there's hope in terms of that because I think – 
what happens, what you just said, people go on, quote, a diet. What is that? Is that something they're going to sustain? Probably not. So that's what's a part of this study is what can you change and then what can you sustain after this 12-month study for lifelong? So I think that is a really big take-home message. Don't go on something that you in your back of your mind are saying, I'm just going to follow this for a couple weeks. Look at what you can actually do that says, okay, I can do this and I'm going to try and do this for the next six months. Break it down. Do it for three months, six months, and then see how am I doing in terms of that. So I think that's a real key in terms of that. I thought it was, I thought it was a fascinating. Well, one of the takeaway messages um, is that people who want to lose weight maybe don't need to focus so much on calories, but on eating a foundational mm-hmm. diet. They yes. use the word foundational. More vegetables, more whole foods, less added sugar, less refined grains. As a dietitian nutritionist, um, you can share those instructions with people, but how do you help them put it into practice? Into practice? Are there some guidelines for... Um, I always start with... You need to look at what you're doing on your own personal basis. Are you drinking sodas? Are you eating processed foods? What are you doing? Are you not are you not eating vegetables? So you need to look at what you're doing, and then you need to look at what can you change. Again, same thing what this study is saying. What can you? How's your limbo? How low is your limbo? Um, and what can you do that makes it livable for me? What can you do if you can say, I can easily buy bag salad and then I'll add some purple cabbage to it and some shredded things. And I'm going to try and have a salad every day. Sometimes it's so little simple things that we tend not to think that they're positive. And I think that's a big key. People are like, no, I got to do something really big and I got to do this drastic change and I'm going to do it for two or three weeks and then I'm going to get sick of it and I'm going to go back to my lifestyle changes. So it's looking at what am I doing? What are those lifestyle changes? What one or two small changes can you make that you go, oh, this wasn't so bad. This was easy. Oh, I can do this. I'd rather have clients say, oh, that's all you want me to do for now? I'm like, yeah. I want you to say you're drinking two bottles of soda and you say, yeah, I do it every day. Well, look at the size of your soda. Can you go down to one bottle instead of saying, I'm never having soda? And then in the back of your mind, you're saying, I'm not going to. I can't do that. But if you can gradually get used to it and then say, oh, let's get some seltzer water here. Let's get some more water. Little gradual changes. And those little gradual changes might turn into, it's a habit now, it's, and you don't even think about it. That's right. You always have a salad, or you don't have... It becomes a, part of your routine, and that's what you've got to look at. What's your routine? And you want to slowly change your routine, but you want to do it in a way that it just gradually becomes part of your routine. And it's not so drastic that it isn't sustainable. Mm. Well, very encouraging news. Thank you so much for going over this with us. Uh, My guest has been registered dietitian nutritionist Maureen Franklin. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink On Air.